All right, thank you so much for those WhatsApp voice notes and we'll certainly continue to bring as many more of them as possible. Let's turn our attention to this story now. Tomorrow works world marks rather a World Food Day and uh, our guest today is of the view that the world is wasting millions of tons in food. Well, it's not just a view. I think it's actually it's it's a reality. Uh, Dr. Yaku Falshank is a senior lecturer in strategy and sustainability at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. Uh, Dr. Volchenk, good morning to you and thanks for your time today. Good morning, Cathy. It's, it's nice to be here. Thank you. How big is the problem of food wastage globally? And perhaps you can then bring it down to South Africa. Cathy, it's, it's globally a massive problem. I know, for instance, when I was much younger, I remember um, in reading in a magazine about you know all the apples in the in the French uh, neighborhood or the, the country where, or the overproduction of apples that they just pushed into a ditch, and it's it's better for the farmers to put it in there because if they put that into the market, the price of apples goes down, and then they can't make money from the harvest anymore. So it's sometimes more profitable for farmers or or producers to actually put their product into waste than to put it into the market and potentially destroy a market. So. It is a it is a big problem, but I I think even for where we produce food and we try to get it to consumers, mm. uh, we lose a lot of that food along the way uh, for numerous reasons. Some of it just goes off, um, etc. So in South Africa specifically, we waste about uh, 10 tons of food every year, and roughly about a half of that, or a third of that, so rather, it's wasted between the farm to fork, if, if we can put it that way. So from the place where the truck leaves the farm with apples or with carrots or whatever mm. beef, if you want, until it gets to our house, about a third of that gets lost along that way. And what makes the problem so much worse is that of that waste, um, in there is embedded water and energy. So we spent all that energy and water uh, growing food for all the mouths, mouths that need feeding and it actually never reaches its its intended recipient. What what are some of the reasons behind that? So there's a, a third of food that seemingly just doesn't make its way to our tables. What's happening to it? So, uh, you know, if you think about vegetables, for instance, I think if it goes into a factory, a lot of it gets, gets cut away, it gets thrown away. Um, in, in some countries, and I wouldn't really be able to comment about South Africa in this sense, but mm. uh, consumers often don't want vegetables that aren't pretty. Um, I remember a few years ago there was a campaign in France, for instance, where uh, one of the, the food chains actually had food, and they, they call it something like ugly vegetables, and they sold those vegetables at a discount because people don't want to buy a carrot that looks weird. Um, but you can the, the food was actually still fine. Mm. It's just people don't want to buy it because it doesn't look pretty. So producers already start throwing up things like that. But then at the same time, you know, if we if we don't control the cold chain well enough uh, between the producer and where it, where it needs to go, then the food can also go off uh, between that. Now there is technology that can help us overcome with that. Uh, there, I know, for instance, a company uh, here in Stellenbosch that makes sulfur dioxide that releases uh, sulfur dioxide around fruit, and that then takes away the oxygen, which means that the fruit doesn't uh, oxidize so much. So there are ways we can freeze, we can dry food, etc. 
Mm. Um, but there are, for, for a number of reasons, food wastage along the way. We, we sometimes have perfectly fine food, which we just don't eat because we don't like the look of it. That, that, that's it's such an interesting point that that you're making because again it comes back to the consumer because if 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 the supermarkets and the stores are putting the so-called pretty vegetables on the shelf it means that that's what we as consumers want and if we consumers begin to change our mind about um, such things then we could reduce the amount of wastage that is actually taking place Absolutely, Kathy. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, ultimately, most environmental problems come back to us. It is us as consumers that uh, determine what, what gets produced and what is consumed. So, for instance, we our demand for meat has gone up since 1970. Our demand for meat has gone up uh, three, well, uh, yes, by 300% whereas our population did double in that period. So it's the last 50 years. Our population has doubled. Our consumption of meat has tripled. So as people become richer, as we have a bigger middle class, people mm. consume more meat. But that's not necessarily good for the environment. I want to talk about the food security issue because there is lots of food that is produced, and often when the conversation of food security takes place. It's, when, it's within the context of the supply of food that we have in the country. Um, and, and there's no shortage there. But often the distribution of the supply is what is problematic. And we find that there's an oversupply in some households and there is an undersupply in, in other households, which, which leads to, of course, millions of South Africans suffering from hunger. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, we we do find that the distribution channel is not equally well uh, built to different parts of our country, for instance. Uh, but also, you know, retailers uh, carry some responsibility for getting uh, food, and and they would get it to the places where they'll get the best prices, etc. So inequality is a big problem to get food at the right price to the right person. But, um, yeah, I mean, these, these are challenges which we as humanity face. One of the things that, that you've highlighted is that, you know, a contributing factor to the problem is the, the type of food that is being produced, but also the type of food that, that is being consumed. Elaborate on that for, for me a bit more. So I'm, I made reference to meat a little bit earlier. Mm. I think the fact that we are... You know, almost eight billion people on the earth. Um, we we are at the world's capacity with the kind of diet that we're currently having. We have two options. We either have to start reducing the world's population, and population growth has slowed down tremendously in the last three four years. But on the other side, we should also try to reduce the impact of humanity. And and food is one of the biggest problems that we have from an environmental point of view. We eat far too much meat. Um, and the fact that we eat so much meat means that we're not using the resources we have efficiently. So it takes 25 kilograms of food to grow one kilogram of beef. Uh, in contrast, if we eat eggs, uh, that's only two, about two and a half kilograms of food to, to have those eggs. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it doesn't involve killing an animal. Now, at the same time, I should also say that there are parts of the world, if we say that we should, should only eat vegetables, that's also not optimal. 
because there are parts of the world where you cannot grow vegetables or cannot really grow crop that you require water for. For instance, the Karoo. We can't really grow uh, vegetables or wheat or anything in mass in the Karoo, but we can have sheep. So the, the ultimate mix would be a flexitarian diet where we do eat some protein um, and we we eat mostly vegetables. Now, at the same time, also, it's the, the, the kind of protein can also be switched to uh, to, to insects, because that then avoids mm-hmm. the use of of animals or killing animals, which there is some of the, uh, an ethical problem with. This this idea of of meat is is quite fascinating to me, and uh, you know, as somebody who does research in this field, uh, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to shed a bit more light on it. Do you think that the status of meat has been changing and has been evolving? In, in our society because, you know, I remember a time where you could have a plate of food without meat on it and it could be a meal. It is considered a meal and there's nothing wrong with it. And yet today, I know that, you know, for a lot of people, if you have food and there's no meat in it, the meal is not complete. And it, it also says something about one's position, one's social standing when you are able to cook meals that have meat? Where do you think that that comes from? It, it certainly is a status thing. And, you know, it, 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 it's also understandable. And these are the perceptions you mentioned earlier that, you know, consumers are responsible for these. Uh, these are the perceptions we create. And, and we, people, it's also understandable that as people become richer, they want to show that they're better off. They want to serve more meat at the house. And if you serve people just vegetables, they think, oh, you know, what's wrong with you? you are you trying to save money? Um, what we do find is in more developed countries like the Netherlands and, you know, Scandinavia, etc., it's actually very seldom that you would have meat on your plate. And But that's also where the ethics of society have moved along and that they believe that, you know, that's the right thing to do. So we're not quite there yet in, in South Africa and also north of the Limpopo. But uh, it, it certainly it's a it's a sign of wealth in in many circles. When we talk about the innovation then that is needed around food waste, what are some of the alternatives that we can be exploring about, uh, just in terms of what happens to to this third of food that doesn't find its way to our table but is in the system? Well, in terms of you know just alternative protein. I think if, if we do look at, at insects, uh, that's, that's one of the ways. And it's currently not a very popular option. But if you think about it, Mopani worms, for instance, we've been eating those. There's mealworms. Uh, there's a lot of, of different kinds of insects that we, we have been eating. Um, in parts of America, for instance, they make food from crickets. Uh, at, at Stellenbosch University, they're doing research around black soldier fly and converting some of the food waste I spoke earlier about to convert that into protein in the form of black soldier fly larvae. And those we can feed to chickens and pork instead of doing um, and using bone meal, for instance. And, and, and do you think that, you know, these ideas are at a point where they can be mainstreamed? Because you also spoke about the fact that ultimately part of what leads to the wastage that we're seeing is that those who are in the supply chain 
um, often will find that it's cheaper for them or it's more convenient for them to dig some of their food in than to release it into the market because then it reduces their returns. I think there's a, a, a role to play of retailers. You know, the example I gave was from long ago, and I do know that there are many South African retailers today that instead of, of throwing away food in the, the shops that have gone off, or rather that is approaching expiry date, rather than throwing that away, they would distribute that to old age homes or um, places where people require food. So I think there's some responsibility on companies, and we've definitely also seen uh, companies in South Africa stepping up to the plate. I'm thinking of, you know, the, the three big retailers in South Africa have all been known for doing that in more recent years. Mm, mm, mm. And, and, you know, it, it it is quite difficult sometimes because there's no shortage of of videos that show or information that actually shows the impact of this increased farming, particularly of, 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 of red meat and the impact it has on the environment. But I don't know that it's leading to a mass-scale movement, at least to the extent that we'll, we'll, we'll change things immediately in a different direction. Sorry, I couldn't hear the last part of the so, question. So, so, what I, so what I'm saying is, you know, over the, the, the last 10 years or so, we've seen an increased movement of people raising awareness, activists raising awareness about, uh, you know, breeding, particularly red meat, and the impact on that on the environment. But from what I've seen, it hasn't led to this dramatic shift in people's eating patterns. And, and, and that's really ultimately what, what, what we're trying uh, to change or what you're saying would need to change in order to make the situation better. What do you think it's going to take for us to be able to get there? I think there needs to be massive awareness um, amongst people. I think you know the, the 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 crisis is not known quite yet. If you think about the water crisis down in Cape Town, when it's only once we started to look at at zero um, at day zero that people really started to become aware of this. All right, let's leave it there for this morning. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Yaku Folsenk. Uh, he's a senior lecturer in strategy and sustainability at the University of Stellenbosch Business School. So those are just some of the ideas. You know, would you swap your, your red meat, your steak, for a serving of insect, for a serving of... <laughs> Levo is laughing. He looks like no is the answer from him. Look, I'm from Polokwane, so I've grown up with Mopani worms around me. They've been served at home. In fact, my mom cooks them very nicely in a tomato sauce. She hasn't cooked them in forever. But the point is that it's not an anomaly. But I, I think once I actually moved to Johannesburg, I, I, I realized that there was a thing like, oh, no, Mopani worms, ew, why are you eating that? <laughs> and insects... Looking to insects, hey, as a form of protein, it's the only way that we're going to save the environment. But are we willing to make those sacrifices as consumers? Is it something that we can, um, we can, we can begin to implement in our households? And I know that this issue of meat. I mean, when people have imkimbi and ceremonies. Those are benchmarks. The success of those ceremonies are often benchmarked on, on how much meat people had. If there's not enough meat, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, what? It, no, it what a poor showing. Um, there just wasn't enough meat 
uh, to go around. Can we begin to change that as a, as a society? Because I think the warnings um, from the activists around what this is doing to the environment and the, the ways in which it is unsustainable we simply don't have the kind of natural resources that we need to continue eating meat at the scale that we are eating in the long run. But in order to, uh, to, to be able to, to make those changes that kicking in time, we have to start making those changes now. I'll take your, vo your WhatsApp voice notes and messages on this issue on 0614 It's 10.30 and Musa is standing by with your latest news headlines.